The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is John McMillan, Deputy Secretary for Information Technology and State Chief Information Officer for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So welcome to Ask the CIO SLED Edition, our state and local program, John. Thank you, John. I appreciate the opportunity. Before we get started on Pennsylvania IT issues and accomplishments, priorities, and maybe a few a few heartaches along the way in the Keystone State, I'd like to throw in a little human interest in, uh, in our interview. So let's talk about your route to the state CIO's office. My previous guests, backgrounds are all over the place. Uh, Samson in New York and Goulet in New Hampshire were the private sector. Uh, James Collins from Delaware, he was a dental technician in the Air Force, believe it or not. And uh, Ed Toner from Nebraska worked with his governor at, at TD Ameritrade. And uh, Eric Boyette in North Carolina, he was a DMV director, CIO, and then director at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Talk about strange. Well, tell us about your career before your appointment by Governor Wolf. Well, I guess it's ex- almost exactly four years ago, right? right? Almost four years ago, yeah. We're just... About 20 days short of four years. Well, your background is quite unique, John. You're the first state CIO, as far as I know, to be a former Canadian Department of Defense employee, plus new nearly two decades at uh, IBM. Tell us the details. Okay. Um, yeah, so my career is a little, how do I say this, unplanned rather than planned. Uh, I did start um, as an application developer did lots of interesting programs and JCL. I'm not sure if anybody knows what that is or remembers <laughs> it, but I'm sure there's a few. Um, but I, I think that experience taught me a lot about um, an analytical approach to IT. And where I started, I had the fantastic opportunity to really deal with a global operation. So it it taught me a a few things about how people's lives rely on IT. Uh, One of the very early application development and then eventually project management experiences I had was dealing with military pay. And that was a global system that spanned, you know, the delivery of something very personal to those that serve the country. After that, I went on again, focus on project management. And for a little while, project management was something that I asked myself frequently, am I doing the right thing? From from a career perspective, there seemed to be a lot of responsibility in it. And I wasn't really sure that as an application programmer that I had made the right choice. But maybe three years in to project management, as what I would consider a discipline or an ongoing profession, I started to get it. And, and how the discipline of project management helped me really understand setting expectations, managing towards a commitment, getting the team organized around the goal. Well, I, I know the... Um... Somewhere along... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Somewhere along that path, um, 
the organization that I worked for adopted a very specific kind of technology, and at the time, sort of case uh, code generators were quite popular in the industry, and I had a chance to speak at an industry conference, and that company ended up recruiting me. And that started me on the path to becoming a, a U.S. citizen. So I, I, I left Canada in June of 1996 and became a, a lead um, account executive for a, a company that was eventually bought by IBM. I'm not sure if you remember the name Luke Gerstner, but one of oh, his sure. very early acquisitions was this company that I chose to work for in 1996. Very interesting. And so then I had the opportunity to go from a very small company to a very large company. And I, I have to say that I am truly grateful for the experience I had with IBM. Uh, I met lots of great people, served lots of fantastic, passionate customers, including the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And I think somewhere in all of that experience, John, was how I eventually became a candidate for CIO here in the Commonwealth. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about next because, you know, it has been the fashion of late to bring in folks from the outside, primarily from the private sector, like yourself, the proverbial nationwide search. You left IBM to accept your appointment, as I understand. How did your selection process work? Did you know the governor previously when he was at the uh, Department of Revenue? Or maybe you should... I, yeah, I also, but, go ahead. But, but Let's talk about how... Um, the Office of Administration, and where the CIO sits that might uh, help us with some questions. Sure. So in, the, in Pennsylvania, the state CIO reports to the Secretary of Administration, and the Secretary of Administration is a cabinet member and has that direct relationship with the governor and other cabinet members. So said a little differently, John, in Pennsylvania, the state CIO is not a cabinet member. And so my path was partially relate, related to um, my relationship with the Secretary of Administration and the interview process that eventually led to my appointment. I hope that answers the question. Sure. Uh, you know, it's not, that's not, uh, not altogether unusual. In fact, uh, when I was CIO in Massachusetts, I, report, I reported to the Secretary of Administration and Finance, a gentleman by the name of Charlie Baker, who's now governor. So I understand the situation and the environment you're in. Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting, though, when I'm doing a little background search with our crack team here, I thought maybe you had bumped into the governor when he was manager of a True Value hardware store before he got into politics. Not that long ago, no. <laughs> but, and, and look, John, the, the, the governor in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, is, is passionate about making gov government work, not only for uh, the administration, but also for the citizens. And so we're looking in, in many project initiatives to help move that strategy forward, whether we're talking about online services or open data or any number of initiatives, including some pretty major um, modernization initiatives that we have underway. Um, well, I definitely, so, I definitely want to ask you. Question? 
Yeah, I definitely want to ask you about your relationship with uh, the governor and obviously about with the, uh, the secretary of administration, because I believe that's one of the two most critical aspects for the environment for success for a, for a state CIO is having an executive champion. Uh, but first, I know that our uh, research team also at Federal News Network has discovered that you are a huge Philadelphia Flyers fan and quite enamored with the new mascot and cultural icon, Gritty. Tell us about that, John. Yeah, so um, what what I like most about first the game is that it, it's not really about the game. It's not about the rules. It's not about the – it's about the people – in the game, those folks that are ready to get on the ice and give everything they have in a team-oriented outcome. And it's one of the few uh, sports in my mind that allows live substitution. So change is going on all the time. And I think it's a great metaphor for what we're trying to do in IT because everybody has to get on the same page from a playbook perspective, and we might call that a strategic plan, but when people can anticipate what their role is given these processes and procedures and we're able to anticipate each other's moves, now we start to generate momentum. We can accelerate outcomes. And, and the thing I like about the mascot, uh, at least in Philadelphia, is sort of how it came to be and what it represents, but just his name says enough about the way we need to think as IT professionals to, to, to go to what I'm going to call the dirty spots on the ice, to get in front of the net, and I'm speaking metaphorically, and to sort of take the what needs to be done to score those dirty goals. Well, let me just uh, interrupt you there for a second. Uh, it's such a, a coincidence. As I quip with uh, our recent guest, New Hampshire CIO Dennis Goulet, he, he regards his decades of girls' soccer officiating, that refereeing girls' soccer taught him everything he needed to know about being a state CIO. I guess uh, in some ways, and you said it, we can say the same thing about the, the hockey background you have. Very interesting points. Very good. Well, with uh, that, so, so John, not only not only I'm a, a big fan of gritties, but I grew up playing hockey, and and I know what it was like to play on teams where we weren't on the same page. And when you look back on a season where you weren't on the same page, what kind of outcomes were you able to generate together? And then I also played on teams where we were able to anticipate each other's moves and really not have to worry about being in the right spot. We just sort of knew that we were there. But it always started from a very consistent uh, uh, beginning, and that was the playbook. Yeah. Well, it's always good to be and, able and to so – we're... It's always good to be able to discuss these – uh, these points because we don't want to become, come across all the time as a couple of propeller heads. So we'll, we'll take a short break now, John. Our guest today is John McMillan, Deputy Secretary for Admission, Information Technology and State Chief Information Officer for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. 
Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is John McMillan, Deputy Secretary for Information Technology and State Chief Information Officer for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. John, before the break, we were having a little too much fun talking about hockey, but seriously, let's talk a little bit more about your uh, state's IT governance model. I certainly believe that along with that uh, executive championship relationship, in your case, the uh, Secretary for Administration, the CIO governance model is the most critical element to me for state CIO success. And I call it the strong CIO versus the weak CIO, the weak one having policy-only responsibilities, like many of our federal CIO colleagues and several states still. But the strong one has not only policy, but also budgeting approval and, most importantly, operations. Pennsylvania falls in the latter category, doesn't it, John? Um, so, so what we've done over the last couple of years um, is changed our partnership with the Department of General Services so that the experts can focus on procurement. And we've established what I'm going to call industry-based governance process. So we're following a, a model that was established um, by the International Standards Organization, or ISO. And we're trying to mature along a path that focuses on three really important ideas. One, what are the what's the process we're going to follow? What are the steps in, in making decisions about accountability and outcomes for IT in a structured sort of way? We're, we're worried, not worried, we're focused on what are the um, results we want IT to generate for us, what's the architecture we're going to use, what are the data and application components of those outcomes? And then how do we make uh, what I'm going to call complementary investments so that together we can um, drive uh, results based on a clear set of guiding principles? Things like, is the project we're about to undertake, is it? required by law? Is it a legislative mandate? Is it a governor's initiative? How do we work with our federal partners? How are we going to uh, deliver specific metrics and outcomes to program areas and to citizens? So we're using some of these things to help us intake demand, assess the size of those requests, and then collectively make decisions that serve no longer just a single agency, but perhaps a group of agency or the Commonwealth in general. So we, we've established this set of activities, process steps. We've got the process steps. We've got the organizational structures that make it happen. We've got a couple of mechanisms for making those things happen, like regular meetings, tracking of decisions. And then the last piece, John, is this communication. What happens after we make a decision? We need to be transparent with those decisions so that the folks that need to make those outcomes happen are aware of the decision and what we thought we knew when we made those decisions. And in case you're wondering, John, 
The ISO process is 38,500. <laughs> okay. Well. <clears throat> now, we, we couple that with an industry-oriented set of service management processes. And in the Commonwealth, we're focused on ITIL. So when we have industry standard decision-making processes with industry standard service management process, and now we couple that with an industry standard for architecture, and we've recently adopted the Federal Enterprise Architecture Framework, tweaked it a little bit. We, we saw an opportunity to add a, a reference model. Now this helps us not only um, through guiding principles focus on decision-making with our, with our business stakeholders. Now it helps us with recruiting and workforce development in a very consistent set of, of, of processes, roles, and responsibilities. Well, let's uh, take a look again at this in the, uh, the governance structure that we talked about. Uh, each of my guests that I've had on previously, a half a dozen or more CIOs, and, and Doug Robinson as well at NASIO, we talked about the strong versus weak CIO, the policy authority versus the policy budgeting and, and uh, operational authority. And each one of the CIOs that I've had on, both, well, all of them, frankly, all of them said they wouldn't have taken the job without the uh, operational authority. Not everybody agrees with that, and particularly when I talk with uh, our federal friends, uh, but I, I think it's critical. Would you agree or disagree with that? Um, look, I, I think everybody's context is a little different. And part of driving these new outcomes has a little bit rooted in where you're starting. And I would simply say that Pennsylvania is probably different than many of the other states. What we are trying to drive in Pennsylvania is collaboration so that each decision that we make keeps us moving in the same direction. And now we have new stakeholders in the decision-making process. We have a way of escalating uh, needs for things like money or people. And where that serves the need of the Commonwealth, we have a mechanism, an organizational structure made up of a group of people to help us make those decisions. I think there's a balance, John, right? Yeah. Part of what we're trying to do together through some degree of compromise is make the best decision that we can given the knowledge that we have at any given moment. And we're trying to do that with upward pressure in budgets, certainly on some components, and a number of systems that, given their life cycle and their age and a lot of other things that underpin them, where do we focus? This set of, this, of governance structures now allows us to look at our opportunities partially based on risk. Which one of these opportunities help us reduce risk in the best way? So I'm, I'm sure you can think of a number of risks that present themselves 
to a state government, and cybersecurity might be one of them. And so when we're looking at a project, a, an initiative, we're trying to balance some of the outcomes from a business perspective, a citizen perspective, with mitigating some of the risks associated to our current live portfolio of services. And so we're looking through governance structures like architecture and technology and software and security, and we're able to work with our business stakeholders, lines of business, some folks might call them agencies, right, where we have to deliver services in a program focus, and now we have ways of saying, what other opportunities are out there? How could we work with another line of business, another agency, to make a complementary investment that takes that initial decision and generates more value? And we can escalate that up through groups that we call delivery centers, and eventually all the way up to the cabinet level through an advisory committee that has seven cabinet members participating on it that reflect a diverse set of agencies in the Commonwealth, from small to medium to large. We're going to take a short break now. Our guest today is John McMillan, Deputy Secretary for Information Technology and State Chief Information Officer for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is John McMillan, Deputy Secretary for Information Technology and State Chief Information Officer for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Switching over a little bit here, last fall's NASIO survey on CIO priorities, John, a major issue was infrastructure consolidation, as it's been for a number of years. I recall years ago when I, my old friend Joe Konovich was PA's NASIO representative, or NASIR actually in those days. He, in fact, was president. Like most states, they began moving in this area. But I see that in, in 2017, on your watch, over 70 HR and IT officers were consolidated. I think you kind of indicated that in your previous answer. Uh, in fact, it got you and your boss, Sharon McNick, McNicka, is that her name? A Dreamer and Doers Award, as I McNick. recall. So where's the consolidation stand now and what's next? Sharon Minnick. And, and, and she, she served the Commonwealth terrifically while she was here uh, on a number of uh, engagements. So, so Sharon and I, um, in late 2016, had an opportunity to address a structural deficit in our budget. And part of what we tried to do, as all um, agencies under the governor's jurisdiction, was figure out how can we optimize how we're spending money. Governance needed to be part of it. As part of what we looked at in terms of an opportunity we really saw a, an option where we could change not only how decisions were made, but how um, projects would be staffed after decisions to proceed would be um, completed. And, and so we launched in early 2017 an initiative that we called Shared Services. Lots of other states have done this. We have tried it 
in various forms in the past and been reasonably successful with it. But one of the things that we really wanted to accomplish this time was really going back to our hockey analogy is put all the players on the same team. And so what we did with agreement from budget and lots of other stakeholders, we moved all of the individual HR and IT players onto the team that we call the Office of Administration. And we tried to establish a clear playbook. We call that a transition plan. And so part of any time you shuffle players, you want to get them matched with similar roles, or in this case, get them on the right line with the right skills in the, <laughs> in the right area so that when demand in the game shifts, you can get the right players dealing with the demand. We're still on that journey, John. But um, just recently, we completed all of the organizational changes we need to, needed to make from a structural perspective. And we're starting to see that when folks are on the same page from a playbook perspective, they have industry standards to deal with how services are managed, we can start to generate some new outcomes. One of the things we looked at recently was what are some of the financial results that this reorganization this consolidation of players has resulted. And over the last couple of years, we believe that we have reduced the demand for more money by about $83 million. Hmm. To be clear, John, that's not cost savings. That's simply avoiding an increase in budget pressure for that money. So when we are making decisions now that serve more than one program area, we see these opportunities for complementary investments, small incremental spends of money that start to generate new outcomes. Back to your organization, why don't you tell us a little bit about your budget, staff leadership, uh, IT staff and all that. I noticed there was like 2,500 IT folks in your shop or is that statewide? Um, so the number's a little smaller, John. There are about 2,400 people in the Office of Administration, and just under 1,500 of those are IT folks. Okay. And so collectively, we're organized into seven, conceptually, seven delivery groups. So there are delivery groups that focus on agencies that specialize in public safety delivery of service to citizens, as an example, or infrastructure and economic development, or employment banking and revenue. So these are the sort of citizen-facing, agency-facing sets of services. And then there's another group that sort of focuses on services that serve all of those citizen-facing capabilities. So if you can imagine now our group focused on data centers, or networks, or telephony, or cybersecurity. We've got these folks now in, in terms of compound services supporting other parts of our uh, lineup. 
and when we look at how um, prior to shared services, IT costs were recovered, we have, as part of shared services, sort of fundamentally changed how that's happening. And so we've worked with our uh, partners in the governor's budget office and established a new cost recovery model that apportions IT costs now across all agencies that consume HR and IT services. And in working with our federal partners, we believe that that model stands the test of federal cost recovery as well. Hey, speaking of the federal partners, I asked this to uh, a couple of the CIOs that were here during the federal shutdown. Did the shutdown affect any of your major uh, federal fund, federally funded IT projects, John? No. Yeah, I haven't heard that it really did, but I'm, I'm just curious about it because I know how dependent, uh, at least in California, I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars a month that are going out on some of those huge uh, systems integration projects. But I haven't heard any anecdotal evidence that, uh, that that's really true. Let's switch over to talking about your organization. What are some of the current major IT initiatives you've got going on, John? And then we can look at 2019 and see what you've got planned. In, in any given month, John, we have probably about 150 active projects. So I'd like to focus on maybe three or four or five of those very specific projects. Most of our big projects are related to some sort of modernization effort. Technology has a life cycle. Systems have a life cycle. Hardware has a life cycle. And IT services have a life cycle. So I'm going to focus on one sort of underpinning service. That's telecommunications. And we're working with a number of suppliers to modernize our statewide set of telecommunication services, whether that's core network, cybersecurity, connections to our facilities, or telephone services. We're really focused on this, and we hope to have this one finished later this calendar year. There are four other major modernization efforts that we're working through. Benefits modernization for uh, unemployment compensation is one of them. Uh, corrections and par parole repository, sort of a public safety, uh, if you will, one-stop shop for uh, these kinds of services. We're modernizing our motor vehicle and driver's licensing systems. This is an area where for years the word legacy was used, and legacy is only part of the story of an IT service. Um, and, and so what we're really trying to change in this area is this interaction with, with citizens, uh, kind of modernizing, if you will, the look and feel while modernizing the underpinning technology. Remember where I started my career, John, a long, long time ago? We had a lot of COBOL programs in this space. And so we're moving on to modern technologies, things like automated provisioning. Kubernetes is one of the tools in this space. Uh -huh. And the last major modernization project is in tax. So tax collection, tax processing, and, and we're working with an external supplier. And this project has been a, a showcase in terms of being on time and on budget 
delivering the needs for modern tax capabilities in Pennsylvania. Those are some of the things that we're working on right now. Okay, let's take a short break now. Our guest today is John McMillan, Deputy Secretary for Information Technology and State Chief Information Officer for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is John McMillan, Deputy Secretary for Information Technology and State Chief Information Officer for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We were talking about your current initiatives, and I think you, you're, uh, I think you included perhaps some new ones there. Are there any uh, new or exciting IT initiatives you're going to start next uh, fiscal year? I guess it would begin in July. Um, so, so, John, one of the things that we we think we have a big opportunity is to change the way online services are delivered and consumed by citizens. So we're really going to start focusing on what I'm going to call digital transformation. Over the 60 years that we've been working and modernizing and innovating in the IT space, we have built systems partially based on the technology that was available to serve the needs of programs area and citizens that consume those program services. We are now going to step back and look at this in a more holistic way. And so this digital transformation that we're about to get started on, we think will take a number of years to make happen. And in, in the next few months, we're gonna produce a public facing view of some of the goals that we want to accomplish in this space and do a more effective job, not that we're not already doing it, a more effective job of connecting citizens to their data in new and innovative ways rather than sort of one program area at a time, starting to pull that all together and to use a metaphor in an online retailer experience sort of way. Sure. I was I wanted to know about your legislature. Are they active in IT interest? Because states are all over the place on this issue. In my Massachusetts CIO days, very little interaction, just a budget time maybe. But in California, seems like I had to testify in front of various committees almost every month, sometimes more often. What's your experience with the Pennsylvania General Assembly? Um, so uh, like any other kind of business, the, the folks that help us uh, create money, if you will, through appropriations and other kinds of structures, they're always interested in what sort of value are we delivering for that spend. Secretary of Administration and I and our chief information security officer recently had the opportunity to testify in the in front of the House Appropriations Committee. Very productive discussion uh, and similar to our conversation today, really focused on what are we doing, how are we going to make it happen, and what sort of outcomes are we starting to generate? And I talked about $83 million earlier in our discussion. Just a reminder, John, that each dollar that we, you know, don't have to go back to the assembly and request in, in new funding initiatives, it also overcomes some of the upward pressure in our budgets, increasing software costs as an example, right? Every time we overcome that $1 increase in software and avoid uh, 
and ask for additional money, we're really overcoming $2. So if we're able to identify $83 million in reduced demand for money, we're really overcoming the demand for much more. I see you. um, Go ahead. And I think that the General Assembly understands what we're trying to do. Obviously, they're very concerned about how we're protecting citizens' data. And uh, if I had some wood to knock on, we have been quite fortunate in Pennsylvania. We have an outstanding uh, set of professionals uh, managing cybersecurity for us. We have a very structured way of decomposing the problem with the right pieces of technology in place. I'm glad you brought up the security side because I was going to bring that up myself. It seemed like nothing got the legislature's interest more rapidly regarding IT than it was security, so I'm glad to hear that's, that's happening. Back to uh, the NASIO Priority Survey. Various state CIOs have some very interesting and innovative approaches to the workforce issue, the hiring, recruiting, retaining, training in the next generation. Always important. What's your approach to this challenge in Pennsylvania, John? Um, so, John, I, I mentioned earlier sort of these industry standards that we're adopting. And each one of these standards has um, very typical roles and responsibilities associated to each of the processes. So, for example, in terms of service management, incident management process has specific roles. And now, it, with our HR partners, we're looking at the position descriptions for all of the roles that span all of the service delivery processes, and we're modernizing our position descriptions. We're much more clear about where the role fits, how it interacts with other process areas, and now what experience and training we want candidates to possess as we hire them or transfer them in with an interview from other areas in the Commonwealth. We, we think that this is a, a very powerful way of partnering with HR and very clear when we're recruiting, right? We're, we're trying to leverage best practices in the industry using common frameworks to do recruitment, to do workforce development, and to start to forecast in the future that as our technology and our application portfolio shifts, that we have the right skills in place to meet those expected future demands. Well, I see your, uh, I saw your 2016 strategic plan with your IT category classified under the rubric of a government that works, I believe it was. I like that. Is there a new plan in the works, John? Um, we're, we're going to be modernizing, updating our strategic plan sometime in 2019. And and just a reminder, John, part of what we looked at in our current one, we feel is very sustainable. We think that many of the components in it, and there are really only four basic concepts, we think will allow us to continue forward in a very consistent way, making things better, optimizing services, transforming government, partially through modernization, empowering the workforce making sure that people can work when they want, where they want, and how they want. 
in managing the knowledge associated with each one of those roles. And then partnering with our business stakeholders, our legislature, our governor, and making sure that we're using good governance processes to help us select the right projects that make citizens' lives in Pennsylvania even better. You know, speaking of your governor, uh, I noticed that he has an Office of Transformation, Innovation, Management, and Efficiency, Go Time, as I believe it was called. How's OIT involved in this, John? So Go Time has been transformed into the Office of Productivity and sorry, Performance and Excellence. And the concepts that were in the Go Time program remain in the Commonwealth. So every time we're looking at these opportunities to connect business performance through metrics and help us express the additional value that we're delivering to citizens and business, this again is sustainable across administrations. Interesting. Let's talk about another hot topic that your governor is involved in. Uh, I know that Governor Wolf declared a disaster emergency for the opioid epidemic last year, and I'm sure there are state IT implications. I actually did an interview several months ago with Pennsylvania HHS agency using analytics to identify potential uh, student mental health issues, suicide, opioids, and more. Uh, Is analytics is a big part of our future for CIOs, aren't they? They are, but if I could talk very briefly about our, our crisis in Pennsylvania and the governor's commitment to try to make this better, partially through better visibility to data. By declaring um, an, an emergency, the, the governor really, uh, in, 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 in simple language, basically said that we need to work smarter as a commonwealth. And so we got to look at the data that's available to help us do preventative kinds of activities. So we worked with our county partners, our local partners, emergency responders, health and human services, drug and alcohol prevention, a wide range of agencies and interest groups. And now we're able to visualize on our open data platform how these kinds of things are changing by working together. And I think we have a a, a dashboard that now allows us to better communicate about where resources need to be deployed. What changes in policy should we contemplate given the patterns that we're seeing in in some of the things that are affecting uh, Commonwealth families? Well, it's always nice we, to see. We applaud the governor. It's always nice to see uh, the data that we always talked about is finally coming to fruition. My old uh, colleague, Bill Kilmartin, was controller in Massachusetts when I was there, and he used to refer to we, we had all the data was locked up in jail, and that was 20 years ago. So it's interesting to see how it's finally they're opening the gates, so to speak. Let's talk about another hot topic, if you don't mind. I've got. Uh, at NASIO again, there was a lot of talk about different emerging technologies, autonomous vehicles, drones, blockchain, et cetera. But identity and access management is one that broke into the top 10 for the first time. What are you doing in this area, and what are you anticipating to do in, in Pennsylvania? 
Um, so um, I, I have a, a long answer to this one, John. Okay. Um, but conceptually, what we're trying to do is now tie identities to citizens and businesses. So that when a citizen or a business registers with us through a common portal, we are now able to provide them access in a role-based sort of way to the right data stores. Is that is that operational now, now that portal? It, yes. It went live in June of, I want to say, 2017. Okay. So we have this identity and access management capability, but now coming back through our application portfolio and reconnecting how credentialing was happening to this common way, that's part of our journey and where we're at right now. Now, tying that whole big idea back to our digital transformation, when we can connect these identities to data that has existed, and to use your words, tied up in jail for a long time, we can start to break down some of these barriers while respecting citizens' uh, privacy and all of the great controls that are in place through our systems of record, all of the laws and regulations that help us do a great job of protecting citizen data in some of those systems that have matured over a long period of time, now connecting them in this digital way to that data. And we see this as a big opportunity for us over the next few years. All right, last question, or perhaps two. What advice do you have for vendors that wish to break into the state business in Pennsylvania? Um, so we have a great online service that helps businesses uh, register and express their capabilities. We have a fantastic invitation to qualify uh, process, and we should remind vendors to register and watch for all opportunities all of this is done in a transparent sort of way. Well, that's great. Finally, uh, I got to ask you, John, have you as yet utilized the yoga and meditation room in the Pennsylvania State Capitol building? Uh, personally, no. <laughs> I am, again, a big fan of Gritty. And so when, when we're trying to recenter ourselves, I'm going to focus on teamwork. I'm going to focus on getting everybody on the same page having an outstanding playbook that's simple, easy to understand, and drives the right outcome while making citizens' lives better. Well, next time you're in D.C., we'll have to get you out to a, a Caps game. I, I'm sure we'd both enjoy it very much. With that, we're going to have to conclude our program today. I want to thank our guest, John McMillan, Deputy Secretary for Information Technology and State Chief Information, Chief Information Officer for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And thank you for listening. Content from the state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors, is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you could join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, Sled Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.